Welcome to episode number 59 and another episode of Direct Connections. This time around, we have a very special guest and someone who has been very difficult to get on the show, to say the least. But I had to get this guy on the show because he truly deserves all the credit in the world for making me a Mopar enthusiast. And I want him to share some of his experiences with Mopars. And the only way to do that was to get him on the phone. And after that, we'll close the show with some listener stories and we'll save Project Car of the Week and High Performance Parts for next week's episode. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopar's Direct Connections. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. I don't know if this guy has stage fright or what, but I managed to trick him into being on the show. And the truth is, without him, not only would the Mopar Hunter not exist, but neither would Talking Mopars. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my dad. He doesn't know that he's going to be on the show. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to call him right now and we're just going to go off the cuff. And hopefully he doesn't catch on that I'm recording it for a podcast. But if he does, we're just going to roll with it. And of course, at the very end, I'm going to let him know what's going on. But hopefully he won't hopefully he won't disown me. <laughs> so we're going to find out right now. I'm giving my dad a call right now. Dad. Dad. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I had my volume down. I almost missed your call. All right. Yeah. No worries. Um. Yeah. I just wanted to. I wanted to tell your stories on my podcast. So I just wanted to get some things good for the record, if you don't mind. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Cool. Um. Hey. Be honest. Have you uh, ever even listened to my podcast yet? Huh? Have you even listened to my podcast yet? Uh, not for a little bit. Then kind of... <laughs> hey, you can say no. It's fine. <laughs> well, not for a little bit. I, 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 I catch it here and there. I've just been kind of trying to do stuff around the house here. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, you do know that I have the best Mopar podcast on planet Earth, right? You know, yeah. you know, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I try to share it once in a while when I see it. Sweet. I appreciate that. Um, I just want to, uh, I want to get the facts right about, you know, how you got into Mopars, because I know Grandpa had some. I don't know how many he had, but I'd like to get started there. How many Mopars did Grandpa have? Uh, I don't know. He had a 68 Polara, a 66 Cornet, and then before that... You got the DeSoto, 58 fire, DeSoto Fireflight, one of the cars we got when we came here. And, uh, and then he had a, a couple of 40s uh, Dodges, one that I almost uh, crashed. <laughs> That's right. I remember that story. You let go of the emergency brake or something? 
Yeah, yeah, we were, you know, we looked at the top of a hill, kind of like, and we had a chauffeur there, and, and I was just playing in the car, and uh, i never seen a guy run so fast, <laughs> almost, we, we almost hit the, the fence, you know, and we had a driveway going up to the house, and wow. we had a, a fence, uh, if I remember right, a brick and, and wood down by the street. So was that yeah, the, yeah. was that the first Mopar you ever drove or what? Huh? Was that the first Mopar you ever drove? Backwards, yep. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. Didn't know what the hell I did wrong, but I noticed <laughs> the thing was going off, you know, going uh, down the hill. And, Gosh, that's crazy. And, uh, yeah, that guy, that guy, that guy saved my ass. And I, <laughs> he ran like God. He ran. I don't know how he got in there and stopped the car, but he did. That's funny. So what did you learn how to drive like when you got your license in a Mopar? Yep, the the, the Soto. Drove it oh. all around the yard. Really? That's crazy. Drove it onto the street, to back it up, and to back it up into the driveway. Right on. Now you're a big car too. Now, what was your first official car? Uh 67 Dart. Regular Dart with a 225 six, two door. Post the the cheapest dart you can get. Did you like it? Like, yeah, it was all right. Got that for seven hundred bucks. You know, I had low miles. Got it from a university student that, uh, believe it or not, was a Middle East guy. He was going back back home. He was a University of Washington guy. It's back in the sixties. Oh, really? Yep, back in the sixties. My first car was the '67 Dart two door. How long? I could have kept it. That was a clean car, <laughs> all white, red interior. That's cool. Um, how long did you have that? Six, six months or so, less than a year. And then what was the, the green. and then you got the green one. So tell, tell me about the next one. So the, the green dart, tell us about that. I just, I don't know, you know, it's, uh, it's good on insurance. So really <laughs> wanted some, really, really wanted something better, a lot faster, but you know you're not gonna pitch, so. What it have two seventy three? Because insurance was crazy back then. Anybody, had, uh, you know, that's that's what killed the muscle cars was the insurance. So when you had the other dart, the white dart, were you wanting a Mopar to hot rod, or was it just kind of a mode of transportation, and you didn't get into hot rodding until you got the sixty nine dart? I never really looked at hot rodding. I just kind of like to have. A, I just like cars. So I was happy to, happy to get that one. Right on. So what got you started into hot rodding the dart then? Uh, because uh, that was kind of like what everybody's eventually was doing. Yeah. And I didn't want something that looked like everybody else's. And most of my friends uh, had the Camaros and Firebirds. And I don't think I've ever met anybody that had a Mustang. It's usually a Camaros, Firebirds, and... And Barracudas and darts, and I had, I had a friend that had a '68 GTS with a 340 that was racing them. Actually, I re- met a couple of guys that was racing their darts. I, I, I met more people racing darts than I did any other car. Yeah, because you grew up during the like the peak point of muscle cars. Yeah, yeah, I get uh, graduated in '69, so yeah, that's. Yeah, I remember. I remember having a. To pay for the car and, st- and being able to go to school, I remember having a paper route. 
and up in Capitol Hill that paid a dollar for every paper I delivered. So that was 200 bucks a month and uh, made my car payments and my insurance and still got me to go to, to, to high school. So that was all right. That was cool. It must have been nice having a. It must have been nice having a cool car in high school, right? Yeah, it was okay. It. uh, uh, I you know, I followed my friends. I was the only one that really had a car. Oh really? Yeah, nobody had a car. And but you know, uh, you know, your grandfather kind of stipulated a lot, though. Uh, You know, his his deal wasn't you know help me with the car and all that if I. uh, Stayed away from every everything else everybody was doing then, so that was that was the trade off. Uh, lose my friends, have a car, or and they were doing stuff that I didn't uh, agree with anyway, and that was getting high and everything else. I yeah didn't see any future in that. Yeah, so it's... that was the trade off. Uh, don't get high, don't get drunk, don't get in trouble, and uh, I'll, you know I'll be with a car. You know... So I thought that was a pretty good trade off. And as it turned out, it was probably better because most people don't have their friends after they get out of school anyway. No, that's that's very true. I, I've, everybody goes their own way. Yeah, I I still keep in touch with my friends, but we're not as close as we used to be, you know. But, um, yeah. you know, some of us are, you know, some of my close friends. But, um, you know, I actually, the only reason I'm even into Mopars is because of you and the stories you used to tell me about Golden Gardens and the street racing and your dart and stuff like that. It It had to have been crazy growing up in a time where people were you know, driving these crazy cars that would later on, you know, like in today's day, be worth so much money. I, I remember you telling me about a Hemi Cuda and these Hemi cars and all these guys street racing and uh, how crazy it was back then. Well, yeah, you know, Golden Gardens was only, what, 10 minutes away from the house. That was a great place to hang out seven days a week. Oh, it went on seven days a week? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that wasn't just a weekend thing. The only thing that was a weekend thing that I found out later was, uh, like, Kobe. That was Friday and Saturday nights. But oh. that was really no racing there. It was just people just cruising, you know. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. too, because back then, you know, cruising wasn't illegal. Now, if you go to, like, Everett or even Marysville or Kent, they have signs that say no cruising. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's criminal. I don't like well, it. Well, you know what? Kobe probably could have lasted a lot longer if people didn't pick up their garbage. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was one of the things that... The, the people, the business people finally had got fed up with having to pick up the garbage after, you know, Friday night and Saturday, Saturday night, because the people that was cruising, uh, not, not everybody, but, you know, you could park there and they just left their garbage. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's what killed Colby and what, what killed, uh, going gardens after geez, for like 10 years plus was, uh, somebody got. Got on the news media, and, sh- and next thing you know, it made big, big news, and next thing you know, the cops are there, because the cops used to, they knew what was going on, they used to, <laughs> they, used to they used to drive by, on, 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 you know, on, on the road there, and everybody stopped, you know, and like, you know, look around, and you know, like having a good time, and the cops, the cops never really drove in, they just drove onto the main street and went up the hill underneath the tracks, and, and then they were gone, everybody was back to doing what they were doing. <laughs> Just having a great time, and you know, I know the cops knew. They just they figured, well, you know, everybody's here. Yeah, we don't have to. Their, their night was pretty slow. Slow. They didn't have to worry about kids or people breaking in and killing people. They were because they knew where everybody was at. They were down in Golden Gardens, you know, doing stupid things like racing. <laughs> 
who was the fa- out of all the cars that you saw there? Who do you remember being the fast guy? Who had the fast car? You know, there was a lot of fast cars there, and there was a lot of them that hit the curb and, and rolled over. Oh, really? And even yeah, you know, there were some few, yeah, people lose control. You know, they're, I mean, they're not professional racers, and some of these idiots—I shouldn't say idiots—but uh, some of these guys <laughs> were, uh, you know, uh, should know better if they didn't know their car. You know, so because because yeah, I mean, I was with this one guy that had a. He was trying to sh- show off uh, his Cuda to me, and so I drove. He had a three forty sixty nine uh, four-speed uh, four Cuda, and we were uh, all of a sudden we had this uh, Hemi Roadrunner next to us, you know, because you can't miss it. It says Hemi right there in the hood. Yeah. And uh, he goes, "I'm going to take this guy," and I said, "Oh man, you know he's going to take you," and, <laughs> and you know he, he he, and I knew that you know he he could probably go in the first. He'd be out the gate first, but hey, if you're doing a eight mile, quarter mile, the Hemi's gonna, it's gonna run you down. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. He, I mean, he got a great start, but the Hemi just kind of passed him. It's yeah. Like you, you know, you're a little fool. <laughs> no better than no, you know, you got to feel like you know better than race me because you knew I could take you. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably be it's doing like, the same thing if I had a Hemi. When I ride my V Max and I get some of these guys next to me, you know, and <laughs> and. The only guy that ever, when I was on my VMAX, the only guys that ever challenged me was guys on under uh, V rods and and under uh, uh, Sportsters. <laughs> and, and I gotta admit, they're they're quick, but you know, it's just like the Hemi and the three forty. I mean, uh, the VMAX at the end will will take you. That's you a know, ten second you, bike. It's pretty fast. You got you got a lot of torque, but yeah. you know, it's only going to take you so far. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So. Golden Gardens was crazy and all that. And you never raced the dart. And you told me that it was just basically it was your only car and you didn't want to risk, you know, destroying it like a lot of those kids were doing. Let me ask you this. Yeah. As far as your dart goes, because, you know, you did what what you could with what you had. You know, you weren't rich, yeah. um, but it still was a cool dart. Like that one picture, the only picture that I know of the dart that I kept in my room is I, I don't know where you guys were. Maybe Deception Pass, but you had the hood open. You were like checking the oil or something. But. The car just looked awesome. You had the GTS hood on it, and it had the air shocks in the back, and you had the appliance mags on it. So it just had a it had a really cool look. It's a really cool car. I mean, I wouldn't have been ashamed to drive that thing. That thing was cool. Um, no, that yeah, Craigers on there. Oh, it was Craigers on the what had appliances yeah. on it? The appliance I had on the van for a little bit, then I got tired. Oh, of Oh, okay. So the the dart had Craigers. Yeah, the oh. darts were, were, were Craigers. I thought those were, they were appliance. They, they were huh. bitch too because. Uh, Back then, they didn't have those special uh, tire machines, so oh. you can always you always snap off the, the little lips that holds the cap on it, you know. Oh yeah. So you always have to be careful when when you when you change tires on those cars, hmm. on those wheels. Let me ask they you. Were pain, they were a pain. They were pain in the ass, really. <laughs> well, I have them for my green dart, so don't say that too much. <laughs> um. Well, you, you got to be careful with them because they, you know, they do rust. They do uh, flake. The, I don't know about the Quakers today, but God, the chrome was. They, they flick on those back then. Yeah, I think the Kregers today are made in China, <laughs> um, but uh, oh, they're... they're uh, like even more now. Yeah, but I mean, my dart actually has to get on the road and drive for the wheels to get ruined, so <laughs> that's not that's not happening anytime soon. Um, Let me ask you this. If you could go back in time and change something on the dart, what would you do? If I could go back in time... 
Uh, Bigger motor. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, I was never a fan of the big blocks. So yeah, tr- probably a bigger motor, three forty. You weren't a fan of the big blocks. Three forty, strength. Three forty is a strong motor. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, for, for everyday running. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, it's uh, a car I needed every day, and I, a, a big block car would have been crazy for to have to drive one every day as a you know everyday <laughs> driver. But sure. three forty would have been been re- a reasonable uh, engine to have. You know, considering that I had to you know had to go to school, had to go to work, whatever I had to do. I you know, I was every day I was in that car. Yeah. Um, but if I still kept it today, it probably would have a big block because I wouldn't have to drive it every day. <laughs> you know what a lot of people are doing these days is swapping the modern Hemis in the old cars. I think that's really cool. I talk about it all the time on my podcast. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I hate about the modern engines is all the electronics. Sometimes I just like to go back to just the simple, the simple days, you well, know, just... You do know simple that distributor, simple, simple carburetor. You know, don't have to worry about anything. You just, uh, yeah, it was easy to fix if you got stuck somewhere. You know. Uh, well, these days, um, I have some friends down in Louisiana. My friend Blake, he owns a company called DIY Hemi, and you can actually go to their website at DIYHemi.com. But he uh, has simplified a lot of the wiring to make it really easy to put a modern Hemi in an old. Mopar. And the cool thing is, is they make intake manifolds, aluminum intake manifolds now where you can get rid of the, um, the modern fuel system and put on a carburetor, or you can get a, a, um, um, EFI, like the new school, uh, carburetors that that look like carburetors, but are actually, um, electronic fuel injection. So it's, it's pretty cool that the advances they're making in the technology is pretty cool. And it, they're making it easier and easier to get new new Hemis in the old Mopar. So I think that's pretty cool. I've contemplated, once I'm done with the big block and it gets old, putting a uh, a modern Hemi in a Dart. And my buddies over at Hemi Pages, I, I don't know if I've told you too much about this, but they're doing a project. It's called the Build Mopar Project. And they're building a 68 Superstock Dart tribute car with a modern Hemi in it. And it's actually going to have a Whipple supercharger, and this thing's going to—it's going to be putting down over a thousand horsepower. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be like eight second quarter mile. Yeah, you need a roll bar. Oh, yeah, it needs more than that. <laughs> We're. Uh, I mean, that's. I mean, from what, watching what the new Challenger uh, Hellcats are running, you, you. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Guys are getting kicked out of the track because you can't. There's a certain time that you can run before you need a roll cage. I think it's like eleven ninety nine or ten ninety nine, something like that. And you're required. You probably get one run in, and then you'll uh, get kicked off the track because you don't have a roll cage. So, but the modern Hemi's are getting pretty common to be swapped in the old Mopars, and people like it because they have all the, you know, the classic looks of the old Mopars, but they have all the modern power and um, all the different uh, tunability because you can get into the computers right. and you know tune them to be really crazy. But um, you had let's get back to the Dart. You actually had it, so it was a 69, and I know that in 1974 or 75, you traded it in on the van, correct? Yeah, late late uh, 75. Because I, uh, uh, I wanted a three-quarter, because a half ton, you had to run unloaded gas. You know, I wasn't a fan of unloaded gas, so if you ran a three-quarter or one ton, then you could still run regular gas, because they... Uh, 
to have regular gas there until what, 1981? Then it went all and let it. So what was the what was the decision process on getting rid of the dart and getting into the vans? What was it about the vans that made you get rid of the dart? Well, the vans started because a different different time. Yeah. Uh, the, the performance was so detuned. Nobody was into performance cars anymore. If you if you saw what was going on with performance cars, they were a joke. Even a Corvette was. <laughs> was, a, was a joke. Yeah. You know, so everybody uh, started going, to, uh, you know, into trucks, uh, vans, or whatever. And, you know, some of the diehards stay, stay with the hot rods, but, you know, you, you, the only, only thing available was some of the gas and, uh, and regular. So you couldn't, I don't think the, the, the premium gas was, or were they available? I can't even remember. <laughs> But yeah, I went with a three-quarter B two hundred because it was a regular. So, and you bought that thing. It was a cargo van. It was completely gutted, right? Yeah, it was brand new. Nothing inside of it. Wow. Do you remember how much you paid for it? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was going. They were asking seventy-five for it, and I wanted to pay five for it because mm-hmm. it was the end of the year. The seventy-six were out. This was just after Christmas, before the new year. And I walked into the Dodge up in Linwood, and I, they had one, you know, he showed me this one with the big door and all that. And, and I saw some vans back then, you know, vans were, were the rage. So you could, they had uh, specialty shops that was just selling custom vans. Yeah. And they were going anywhere from five to, you know, $8,000 uh, to $10,000 that are, you know, depending on how it was equipped. And I was looking at those, but those were all half ton vans. And I thought, you know, it look nice and all that and blah, 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 blah. But uh, I thought, well, maybe I want to do something myself. So they had looked at the Dodge dealership, went over there, and they had one for like 75. And I said, no, you know, it's the end of the year. 76 are out. Uh, I'll give you five for it. And, you know, I was there for, God, two, three hours. And I finally said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go. So <laughs> I started walking out, and they met me at the door and said, hey, 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 wait, 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 you know. I said, I said, how about 55, you know? And I said, and then I knew that they were never going to, you know, always <clears throat> never uh, agree to your price. They always want to go a little higher. So I said, okay, because I was thinking, you know, I was thinking between five and 6,000, but I want to start at five. Yeah. And so he said 55, and I said, okay, you got a deal. And he gave me $700 for a dart. God, if I would have looked back, I would have kept it for 700 freaking bucks. Yeah. I hear that all the time. People talk about yeah. that all the time, about how much cars were going for back then. Yeah, it was, it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't understand how houses and cars are, are, are ridiculously high today. It's just insane. <laughs> it's inflation. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if it's inflation or what. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean even even in the mid-80s, an, an average house is... $750,000, you know? Yeah, you can't even get an apartment for that for that kind of money. Um, I mean, that was about 35 years ago. Yeah. Dennis, that's when it started creeping up. You know, I mean, uh, look at that Daytona I bought. But I think I got ripped off. I mean, I mean, I was looking at $20,000 loaded. I wanted the T-tops. I wanted the, you know, the... the, the the Shelby package and everything else, and I had to drop most of it to to, to bring it down to seventeen thousand dollars because I was I was also looking at another car. 
Yeah. And I thought, well, no, I want to stay with the Daytona, but I don't want to pay $20,000. When the average went out, all the ones I was looking at when I was shopping around for the Daytonas were 16 at the most, you know, and they were somewhat fairly loaded, but didn't have all the options that I wanted. So that's when I had to special order it. And boy, I tell you, they can, they take you, uh, <laughs> yeah. they rip you off when you special order a car. It's, it's kind of crazy because I wanted to see, because I, I found out that I could lease a, wide body scat pack for the same oh uh, well for less than 500 bucks a month i could get a, a basic package wide body scat pack challenger but it would be a three-year lease and i don't want to lease another car so i decided i decided just to wait and see what i could uh, come up with in a few years when my trucks paid off and whatnot but let's go back to the van for a little bit because i'm i've always been curious about this and i don't think we've ever talked about it when you had the van it was completely gutted and you you wanted to customize it you had never customized a van before. So how did you learn how to do all that? Cause you did everything yourself, right? You did all the shag carpet and the cabinets and all that stuff and the sunroofs and yeah. the portholes. Well, you know, your, your uncle Bob, he had a Chevy van mm-hmm. and uh, he spent a lot of money having his done. And I, I was looking at his and I know, God, I can do that. You know? <laughs> so uh, the uh, first thing I had done in my van was put one of them Venturi scoops on, under the roof and, uh, you know, it was a lot of van shops at the time. So there was one in Everett, and I went and had them do it. It cost me, I think it was 80 bucks for the whole thing because the labor was 50 bucks just to cut a 14 by 14 hole on the roof, and, yeah. you know, to install it. And I was watching them do it, and I was looking at the other vans they were working on, and I thought, well, shit, most of this stuff I can do myself. So that's kind of what motivated me just to see how they did it. And I thought, well, God, I can do that. So I, I did. That's like, I stole the double sunroof, took that bin out, put a sunroof uh, back there and another sunroof up front, put the, the portholes in, uh, you know, it was, that was just one of those things. Well, here I go, you know, you just screw it up or it's going to look good. <laughs> then yeah. I ended up putting some sunroofs in people's cars. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause people, you know, they saw what I did to the van. This is, and I did some sunroofs on my cars. Yeah, I know that. So, yeah. So then, uh, then everybody was saying, well, "Can you put a sunroof in my car?" And I go, "Well, <laughs> I like looking, but I did. I, I did some. You know, it wasn't. It all turned out good because I was really scared that I was going to really screw somebody's car over. Yeah. But it didn't happen, so that was good. That's good. Yeah, you did all the carpet in there, and you had mom's help with that, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was easy to do. Like, you know, you just kind of look at you look at what other people have done, and then you just kind of look, and then you figure it out. Yeah, I... they, actually, they were, they had kits back in those days that you get uh, that you can plans, you know, that you can send in. Yeah. So I I, I sent in for that because I you know I just wanted to the the ceiling was easy to do. It was just a sight wall. This was a pain, but. As it turned out, I didn't really need the plans because this, the plans were kind of a joke. So I just kind of <laughs> figured it out myself. It was easy to do. You just have to keep trimming until, until you get, get to where you want it. <clears throat> you just have to do it, you know. I mean, it looks kind of scary, you know, and like, God, I don't think I can do this. But, you know, it was easy. That's good. When it's too, when it's too long, you just trim it. Keep trimming and trimming until you, until you get it to where you want it. Yeah, that's it's good that you know how to do that stuff because I know I told you I'm gonna go buy that van, um, probably in yeah. springtime for my buddy, and uh, I'm gonna need it's completely gutted too, so I'm gonna need your help <laughs> putting the carpet yeah, and stuff it, inside. It's easy to do. Just get, I, I, you know what? I, I was really conscious of the weight, so I, 
I didn't use, uh, you know, a lot of people were using uh, plywood. I was just using paneling, uh, April Venice paneling. And uh, and I just uh, put the foam and everything else on it because I didn't want I didn't want to weigh the weight of the van down. I just wanted to keep it, uh, you know, the, the weight. It's conscious of the weight because you can get those things down really heavy, real fast if you're not careful. Yeah. So if you're gonna do that van, uh, kind of consider the weight and you know try to find materials that uh, you know isn't gonna weigh it down. Well, I told you what I want to do with it is uh, I want to turn it into a mobile podcast studio so that when I go to car shows and stuff, I can actually record my podcast on site and talk to people about their cars and stuff. Yeah, well, so. it, and that's great. But like I said, uh, you know, you just use the materials that, uh, and it will still look good. I mean, nobody knows what's, you know, that I was using a, a April Vinning's paneling as, as, as my, uh, you know, board because I've got the insulation behind it. And you, like I said, you can tell. Got two inch foam on it. Looks like a padded room. <laughs> yeah, you I know that. I, you know, I I wish I would have just bought it from Ray. Damn it, I didn't really regret that. Yeah, because you sold it to Uncle Ray. <laughs> he, yeah, because you know it's just it's one of those deals. I yeah. You know, I really didn't want to. I really, I kind of really wish I didn't. You know what? Really, looking back, I really wish I wouldn't got the getaway. I would have just. I should have just got a a, a caravan. Yeah, you know, and just keep everything else I had, and just deal with a caravan because I didn't have that much more on the Daytona, and I could have done it. I don't know why I didn't. I just I was looking at the van having a lot of miles on it, having to redo the engine on that, and I was having a little trouble on the Daytona. I was a little disappointed, uh, you know that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you know that I should have realized those are I was second year for that turbo engine, and you know sometimes it takes them a while to to get to work out the bugs you like that turbo though you like the turbo z i know i did yeah yeah i was looking at the at the at the lotus esprit oh uh, really the same 89 yeah uh, man i like to have a lotus uh, engine and stick it in the daytona that thing it's <laughs> got like 264 horsepower does a quarter no just 60 and 4.9 seconds uh there's 163 top speed, uh, and that's a you know that's a rear uh, mid-engine car. And God, you know, if, if I get a Lotus head for the 2.2, because they have a 2. Point, they're running 2.2 also with a Lotus head. Uh, I mean, a Lotus engine. So I was wondering what the Lotus turbo trees would be like on the Daytona. Oh, oh, the, you're talking ride. about the. You when I took that test ride in that red Daytona. Yeah, you're talking about the. You're talking about the <coughs> IROC Daytonas, the RTS. Yeah, yeah, that I was fun. That, one. that was a fun that car. Was only, that was only eight thousand dollars. That was a that would have been a good deal. It didn't have been many miles on it. Hey, did you see the did you see the car that I tagged you in on Facebook? That red Daytona, that eighty six T top red Daytona with eighty four thousand miles in Washington for fifteen hundred bucks. You know, I was looking all over for that, and apparently somebody bought it. Yeah, somebody in Minnesota bought it. It was uh, it was clean. Like, I didn't think it would be that clean, but it was super clean. The leather, like, barely had any cracks in it. It had the T-tops, and it even had, it still had the headlight covers, and I guess the car was garaged its whole life, completely stock. I was like, 1500 bucks. I mean, I would have bought it. <laughs> I would have bought yeah, it. Yeah, I would do. That's looking, like I said, I was looking for it. I would have bought it. Yeah, I didn't know it was for sale. I didn't see it because I check all the ads all the time, but apparently it was posted on um, one of the Turbo Mopar pages, 
And I'm, I'm in so many groups that it's hard to see that stuff. And man, it was in Washington pops and it was garaged 84,000 miles T top car. Oh, five speed. That would have been a good one to have. We would have had a black CS and a red CS. That would have been cool. Well, you know what? By the time I saw that ad, it was sold. Yeah. And me too. And you know, I, I'm usually on Facebook every day. I never saw that, and I've got all the pages. Yeah. You know, I, I never saw it either. I never saw it, other than when it was funny. Some guy put it up, and it was kind of sold about the same time. Yeah, I saw the picture of it, and I was like, "Oh, that thing looks really clean." And I looked at the license plate, and it said Washington. I was like, "No way." And then I looked at the comments and it had already been sold. I was so bummed. I was like, oh, because I, I have the money. <laughs> I would have went and bought it, but that money's actually for that van. So I would have had to come up with some more money really quick. But um, let's get let's talk about your Daytona a little bit more. Uh, is that is that the favorite Mopar that you've had? What was your favorite Mopar? If you could have any of the Mopars you've had that you don't have now, if you could have any of the ones from your past, which one would you have back? with the dart and golden gardens <laughs> you know met a lot of friends and then the band was the same way you know met a lot of people with the bands and uh, yeah the daytona that was okay I, I i don't you know now that i got a few of them <laughs> I would, I would love to, yeah, I seen where like one guy had, had a, you know, that one with the, with the, with the Hemi in it, the black one. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a supercharger on it now. You I know, know, I, you saw that one. Uh, yeah. I talked to, um, if it's the same guy that we're thinking of, um, I talked to him and there's some really cool stuff, uh, in the works with, uh, converting Daytona's to rear wheel drive. I'll have to figure out if those rumors are true, but um, I heard in the grapevine that there's a company out there that's going to start uh, remaking the conversion kits to turn Daytonas into rear-wheel drives. I'm really curious about that because, you know, we have a we have a couple Daytonas, <laughs> you know. Yeah, too bad. To, you know, we can. Uh, I was thinking about somebody, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe putting out a kit. To, that's what it sounds like is going to happen, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, so we'll we'll just it'd, say that it'd be nice that it'd be nice to have a Hemi Hemi Daytona, I suppose. <laughs> but going back to my question, you probably take the Dart back, huh? Yeah, I I, I like the Dart because uh, I you know I wasn't really done with it. Yeah. But uh, the, you know the gas the thing wasn't very that economical. That's why I had to get a couple of small cars to to run around in when the gas got really tight especially when you're standing in gas lines, wasn't exactly something I wanted to do every day. So I had to find an alternative method of uh, finding myself uh, around. And that's when I got the other cars and the dart just kind of sat around a lot. And, uh, yeah. Well, I wish I would have, would have had a, a better view of the future and I'd you know, have found <laughs> a better place to park all my cars. And I probably would still have all of them today. Yeah. Well, but I, uh, I didn't have the force, you know, I was, kind of dumb in that in that respect should have had the foresight of wanting because i knew i was going to have a bunch of cars but <laughs> you know when you when you when you when you look at the and you kind of wonder how where you're going to end up and you just look at well what am i going to lose if i 
if I don't make it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose. It's, you know, it was like a betting game. You know, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Because nothing was for sure. I didn't know if I was going to have a job, or how long my job was going to be. So, yeah, it wasn't like. You know, if you can have, if you can switch some parts of your life around, where <laughs> you know you would know for sure. I hear that all the no time. Matter, I hear it from no guys all the time. You, try, you can always lose your job. Yeah, I hear so many stories about guys going, "Yeah, if I only knew then what I know now about these cars, I would have bought all the Hemi cars." <laughs> you know, when they were going for five hundred bucks. You know. Well, yeah, I wish I would have bought that Challenger that uh, your uncle Bob told me about. You know, for five grand. What was it? Christmas. What was it again? It was that seventy Challenger RTSE, black, formal roof, leather, four forty six pack, oh, five God. grand. Because he had to get rid of it because he was getting divorced. He was getting rid of all of his cars. That's an expensive car these days. Oh my God! You know what? <laughs> I just I told him I said I just bought this Daytona. I should have just said, you know what? For five grand. That's. You know, that wouldn't have been a bad deal. Yeah. You know, find a place somewhere, and if I couldn't keep it, I'll sell it. Gosh. Did it have the shaker hood on it? I never saw it. Oh, okay. Never saw it. He just told me it was a beautiful... And I know I know his friend, okay, because I've met him. He's, he, and he, today he's got a massive car collection as it is. Yeah. But back then, uh, uh, he wanted to sell all of his cars, and uh, he didn't... He, he hated his wife, I guess, that he was getting divorced from. <laughs> but, you know, your, your Uncle Bob knew him well, knew his cars. Wow. Says, Chris, it's a beautiful car. I wish I could buy it, but, I, you know. I'm, oh, wow. I'm, he wasn't living in the state. He was living somewhere else, and he didn't, you know, he was kind of hang on to his job where he was at. And wasn't, you know, was that time when you, yeah, I, I, you know, I should have just went for it. It's, it's no no, it's one of those things, just like the Superbird that, that that I really want to buy for eighteen thousand. I was a day late on that. Yeah, that's one of those situations where it's like, oh, you should have just bought it and <laughs> asked for forgiveness from the wife later. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't so much that. It's just you know, it's just... it was what well, year was that? Ninety three. Going to put it on all that, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> and the and the and the and the Superbird was a. Uh, yeah, that's one of one of those things too. Was for I knew that you know, I knew the prices are climbing up because I was already regretting the the Challenger. Yeah. So in the early '90s, I saw the prices of the of the Mopar starting to climb, and I thought, you know, it'd be great to, you know. But then apparently, some other people had the same idea I had. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's a super work. <laughs> I mean, I, gosh, I kind of came by then, you know, I came by the next day and it was sold. And, he said, "Well, kind of made me mad because uh, you know I came in there and he was close. He was closing the gate, and I says, man, I kind of kind of look at you, the Superbird, because I just noticed it when I drove by.' Yeah. He said, I've had it here for a couple of weeks. And I says, 'I've never noticed it.' And he goes, wow. 'Well, you know, because uh, I usually uh, go down the, uh, the old uh, 99, you know, just look at the car lots as I'm going home from yeah. uh, you know Everett.' And uh, and I saw it parked there, and I thought, oh, my God, stop and look at it. And he said, oh, we're closing. I said, well, can I kind of look at it? And he, goes, he says, come by tomorrow if you want to buy it. And I said, oh, okay. Came by after work. It was gone. He said, yeah, I sold the first thing this morning. God. Said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, man. 
That sucks. Sometimes I wonder if you, you, you know, if he, uh, they weren't just putting that card there just to get people to come in. And Maybe. Then, <laughs> you know, take the car out. That's you know, funny. Just, just get people to show up in those mom and pop car lots. It's funny because I've actually talked to a couple local Mopar guys, and they remember some of the cars that we've actually looked at. Like, um, I know somebody remembered the Superbird. Um at Detroit, yeah, at Detroit Auto Works, somebody remembered the Duster that I really wanted, that brown one. They actually said it wasn't a real 340 car, that it was only a 318 car. So that that was disappointing. Because remember, they, they had it in like the back area, and it was like three yeah. grand. And, that 340 uh, in the hood? Yeah, I had the 340 call out on the hood. And uh, it was, God, I wanted that car for three grand. It seemed like prices were cheaper back then. And then the, remember the green Cuda, the AAR uh, tribute car for 10 grand? <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Um, that back then it seemed like in the mid to late nineties, you could still get a decent Mopar for less than 20,000. Now, nowadays it doesn't seem you can do like you can do that unless you get lucky. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really liked Cuda, that AR Cuda, but when I opened up the trunk and all that, it just looked like it had some, uh, I don't know. Uh, it just it seemed like it had a lot of moisture in there. Oh, I'm and, sure it uh, did. <laughs> I, I was afraid that, uh, you know, it might have some uh, rusting problems for some. I don't know where the car's been. Yeah. But it just didn't look dry in the trunk. And that really had me kind of wondering uh, what, you know. You couldn't touch that car for ten grand these days. <laughs> you could. Yeah, today you could. But back then, there was really nobody like uh, graveyard cars redoing them. You know what I mean? Or yeah. much less parts. There's... I don't think you could. Mopars weren't weren't that popular like Chevys and Fords were. I mean, people were just getting into Mopars back in the nineties. Yeah, that still cracks me up, especially with how much they're going for these days. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, but I it's... know. I, I agree with you. It's insane what the, what they want for. I mean, you can buy a Chevy cheaper. I mean, I see Chevys, Chevy twos, Novas, and even some Camaros that have full interiors that are you know that are all there that people want a. Uh, uh, empty bare bones uh, Mopar for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're Mopar people, right, pops? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. You've been collecting the Turbo Mopars again from the eighties. Out of all Mopars, are the Turbo Mopars your favorite Mopars, or are you just getting them because you can find them cheap still? I like them. They're cheap still. They're kind of easy to work on. Um, but I prefer to, to find a kit and get some welding underneath my, my belt and uh, just turn them into rear drivers. So it's kind, yeah. kind of like the end, re- end thinking of my, uh, in my game. Nice. Uh, I'll keep, you know, I like, like to keep uh, some front wheel drives, but for the most part, I like to turn one into a, and make a rear wheel driver out of it and uh, see where it goes. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm definitely on board with that. Which, out of all of the ones that we have right now, which one is your favorite? It's got to be the black one, right? The CS? Uh, yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I didn't buy the T-top when I bought my first one. No, I'm not. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm glad I bought the sunroof instead of T-top. Yeah. Because uh, they wanted almost $2,000. Well, uh, that's one of the reasons why I had to start cutting back and uh, settled on the on the sunroof instead of the t-tops because I, I don't like the way they did the t-tops in the daytona when i can compare it to uh, the camaros and everything else it's just 
like right now, I got to change some windshield on on the T-top Daytona, and it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, I'm I'm hoping the guy that 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 I'm going to he says he he can probably do it, but I, because he's got to drill out rivets and you know, and it's just plastic parts that are as decoration piece around the windshield, and uh, if he cracks those things, uh, nobody makes them. So I'm gonna, then I got to go on the on the pages and see if anybody has spares or get lucky to find one in a wrecking yard. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll throw the uh, bat signal, the Mopar signal out there. I'm sure somebody has some laying around or something. Hopefully they can yeah, get that I, done for you. But I guess there's a, some rivets you got to drill out and, you know, a lot of seal and got to scrape out and it's just kind of like, geez. For the so, windshield? That's and crazy. I don't like the fact that compared to the Camaro, it's, it's level with the windshield. It's actually got a value to where water, you know, if, if you leave your car out, yeah, it's you're going to have water inside your car because I can't see how it couldn't puddle up. So that's kind of like looking looking at what I have now on the T-top and what I had in the sunroof. I'm glad I got the sunroof because, you know, it was flush with the roof. Do you wish that the 86 that you have now is a sunroof instead of T-tops? In a way, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's nice having the T-tops. But you can't find uh, rubber seals for them. You can't find. Uh, you, you almost have to kind of make something on your own. So yeah, you got to either garage it when it's raining or don't drive it when it's raining. <laughs> yeah, preferably just garage guy, it. <laughs> that's what the guy told me. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a one owner car that I I got it from. The guy was what eighty one years old when I bought it from. Wow. And uh, I have I have him as a friend on Facebook. He's a super nice guy. That's cool. But he says, man, I haven't. You got you always got to garage this thing, and I finally understood why. You know, he said, uh, he said that's why I'm selling it. I don't have a place for it anymore, and I don't want to see it get ruined. But he's you know he's in his eighties now. What he's eighty three, eighty four years old now. So he said uh, you know he's had his fun with it, but he's the original owner. So wow, yeah, I like that car. I really like the Daytonas. There, I don't know if it's yeah. because that you know I was around one when I was a kid so much, but they're just cool little cars. They're really fun. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're, you know, but I, I like to put a Lotus 3 head on it. I mean, after I saw what the, I mean, look up the, the Lotus Esprit, 89. Well. It's got the four-cylinder four 2.2. It's like, the, I think they rated a 270 horsepower on it. Well, you know what? You know what's faster than uh, than that. You could just put an SRT4 engine in it and be way more powerful. And it's probably more reliable and you're have more, uh, you'll have more parts available for it. Yeah, I never thought of that. Oh no! I thought I... about the. I know. I know you're gonna laugh, but uh, Rich's car works has got a uh, high output uh, uh, 2.4 Peachy Cruiser. He's asking three grand for only 100 and, 117 thousand miles on. I was thinking about taking that for a spin and see exactly how fast that little SRT motor is. Um, it, it's gonna be pretty quick. Look. It'll probably surprise you, but let's let's talk about this for a minute. So for a long time, we were without Mopars. And, yeah. you know, except for the Sundance, but we don't really count that one very much. Or did you have the, did you get the PT Cruiser and we still had the Sundance or no? Uh, let me see. Um, I think you. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I think you did. It was parked over at Nana's house. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that. That guy took me out with the Sundance. So. Yeah, and the semi, that's a crazy story. A, a, a semi truck hit you. That's nuts. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that thing didn't get more damage, but it was just a rear quarter panel, right? Uh, 
yeah, he hit me in the quarter panel, ripped off the bumper, and then I spun around the freeway and hit something else, and so I got a dent in the front fender. That's that was it. I drove it around until the motor, till head gasket went out on it again. Yeah. I didn't feel like changing it anymore. It was it had two hundred thirty thousand miles for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that car ran as yeah. long as it did because it used to be a thrifty rental car. Yeah, that only had what twelve thousand miles on it when I bought it. And I ran that thing to 230,000 miles, so I only changed the head gasket once, and I didn't want to do it, do it again. It's funny that that was a, it's funny that it was a thrifty rental car. So I said, screw it. Yeah. It's funny that it was the thrifty rental car and CSXs were also thrifty rental cars. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Sundance was not a CSX though, unfortunately. But yeah, that's funny. I remember, I remember when I came over to the house and (laughs) I pulled up and there you are. And you're shining up the chrome wheels on this PT Cruiser. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in hell he bought a PT Cruiser. No way. And I, I remember getting out. And I think I said something to the effect of, that's not yours, is it? <laughs> something like that. And you laughed. And I was like, you didn't buy that car. <laughs> but it, it's been a pretty decent car for you, right? Yeah, not too bad. I don't care much for the motor mounts, but <laughs> I got to change the center motor mount on it. And I, uh, so I got to tear half the motor apart just to do that, which is ridiculous, but, yeah, well. uh, you know, it's just one of those things. So <laughs> I, when I had the belt done, timing belt done, because I, uh, I needed a car, otherwise I would have tried it myself. I need the car right away. And, uh, the guy who to- did the, the belt for me, I told him, it, you know, uh, the center mounts, I've been pretty sure it's bad. Can you change it? Charged me five hundred dollars more than what he quoted me, and he changed the motor mount, I, the, the other mo- amount that I could do in thirty minutes or less. Oh, he didn't do the top one. Oh you no, know, my mechanic said it was okay. God, six months later, that thing went. Oh God, yeah, they just and wanted to get it. you. They it wanted to get you for the other one. I could feel it. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Because um, I, I and he blamed the vibration. He goes, "Yeah, you got a little bit of vibration." He goes, "I think your half shafts is, is, is uh, not, you know, probably going out." And I look. So I had it checked, and he goes, nothing wrong with your half shaft. So, something going on with your motor mounts, though. And I go, yeah, I know that. <laughs> oh. Dumbass. No, <laughs> not taking my my cars to him anymore. <laughs> Piss me off. Like I say, he charged me 500 bucks more. To, oh, because you got a broken bolt on one of your motor mounts. And I go, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Christmas. So you fixed the out. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He, he had, a, he had a, a Dream Cruiser in there also. And then also he had a, another car he had was a um, uh, Typhoon. He had a Typhoon in there that uh, something was wrong with it. He, uh, he says, oh, I, uh, the, the, the wife got this. She was going through a divorce, and this was one of the cars he got out of the divorce. But something oh, wrong with it. Because I've never worked on these Typhoons before. But uh, he says, I hear they're pretty fast. And then he had a Dream Cruiser. The, the guy uh, was saying... He was saying that the, the valves hit each other. And I said, well, I, he says, I never knew these uh, that PG Cruises had valves that are, uh, uh, what the, what they call that, uh, the engines, uh, inter, interface motors or whatever. And he goes, I thought they were, if you build a, if you broke a belt, it doesn't hurt the, these engines in the PG Cruiser. He goes, uh, it depends on where it's breaking. He goes, uh, uh, interference. And he says, uh, some of them... And that's what happened to this Dream Cruiser. He says, uh, you know, the valves slammed into the pistons on it. Dream says, well, Cruiser? I, I wasn't aware of that. 
What's a dream cruiser? I don't even know what a dream cruiser is. Uh, it's a PG cruiser that the uh, Chrysler put out as dream uh, cruisers with different colors and different little options on them, <laughs> and, they, and and okay. they're numbered. They're numbered <laughs> cars, believe it or not. So they're special. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're special. Right. Uh, you know, just a gimmick to try to sell them. They, they call them dream cruisers, and That's like I said, funny. they got numbers on them. I thought that and was your. I thought that was your little nickname for them. I think the most of them are turbos. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I hear they're. I hear they're fun, but I, I don't know. I'm as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of PT cruisers. But hey, it's a Mopar, so I can't really complain too much. <laughs> well, they have two turbos. You know, they got the regular turbos, and then they got the high output turbos, and the high output is the SRT motor. Yeah. And like, like I said, they got one over in uh, Rich's uh, Rich Car Corner down here in Seattle. I'm thinking about just taking it out for a spin, just to see how it runs, because I'm you know just to see what the high output does. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, Dad. If you buy another PT Cruiser, I might lose my mind. <laughs> I might lose my mind. Um, let's uh, let's focus on the turbo Daytonas, <laughs> okay? It's funny because I every time I think about all the front wheel drive Mopars you have right now, like that collection got big pretty quick. Because what do you have? You got the '84 Turbo Z. You've got the '80. Um, was it '88? CSX, the 87. No, 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 it's 87. Or the 87, yeah, that's right. The 87, the black CSX. So you got the 87 CSX. You've got the blue, what is it, an 87 Shelby? 88. An 88, a blue 88 okay. Shelby, the, the red 87 Shelby, and then uh, your black 86 CS Daytona. And, yeah, the, and the, the Pacifica. And the 87 Pacifica. The 87 Turbo 1 Daytona. How, how many miles does that thing got on it now? It's got 31,000. Gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> if that one was a five-speed Shelby Z, that would be really cool. Um, it's still a cool car. It makes a great driver. Do you? How often do you drive those things? When was the last time you drove any of the Daytonas? I drive them at least uh, every month or every other month. All right, well, um, I'm going to need to have you uh, bring one of the Daytonas up the next time you drive it so I can drive it. I'm itching yeah. to I'm itching to cruise around in a Daytona for a day. <laughs> we'll yeah. go we'll go for a cruise. Yeah, probably not the T top because it's uh, the weather, but okay. the, the other one I could. All right. And hopefully I can get that red one going here pretty soon because I'm getting tired of it. Yeah, I'm anxious to work on those things. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I am too. I just want to get it done. I wanted to get it out of here. <laughs> it's uh, it's just blocking my way. I'm uh, you know I'm just constantly having to work around it, and I'm getting tired of it. Yeah. All right, Pops. Well, I don't want to keep you on the phone too long. I just wanted to get some of the Mopar the Mopar stories out of you. I do want to ask you this, though. What do you think about me having a Mopar podcast now? Is it crazy or what? <laughs> you know, because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be in this position. I wouldn't even have this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't be a Mopar enthusiast. No, I'm glad you got it. You know, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm glad, uh, you know, that uh, you got an interest in it. Um I kind of wish you, uh, I wish we had the phones with the cameras and all this other stuff, but now, you know, back in the 60s and 70s with the Going Gardens and, yeah. uh, and, and uh, Kobe and the Renton Loop and, uh, you know, even the Lake City Loop. Uh, yeah, that would have uh, been fun. Well, it was fun. I mean, I even I even drove around in the van in uh, <laughs> Van Nuys. 
on our way to King City. Oh, really? That was fun uh, cruising Van Nuys Boulevard in California. Oh, man, I hear stories about They have pictures of Van Nuys Boulevard of how crazy the cruising was down there. Yeah, and that was during the week, too. Wow. I mean, it wasn't just a Friday, Saturday night, because uh, I, uh, I was heading up to King City after visiting um, uh, some friends of the family down in uh, in California. So they, they showed me where Van Nuys was, so I took... Uh, they took me over there in, in the van. You know, I drove the van, and yeah, that was cool. Driving, uh, I think it was Wednesday night. We're driving to, into driving cruising Van Nuys Boulevard in the van. Yeah, those van fairs, man. God, they're I I bought a bunch of old um, magazines that had vans in them just so I could get some inspiration for the van I'm gonna buy. And I was looking at some of those van shows and the van fairs and the truckins. Man, yeah. those things were wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a plaque from King City. That, uh, that some girl was trying to uh, get, uh, you know, get away, uh, take away from me. Oh, really? Said, well, he, well, he's in the van, you know, as an individual running compar- uh, runner compared to somebody being in the van club. Well, I wasn't in my van club anymore. I kind of didn't want to go anywhere anymore, so I kind of was uh, independent. And uh, I was the longest distance, so I got an award for the longest distance individual vanner. So that was kind of cool. I got to find that plaque. Oh, that's you know, cool. I, I didn't know you had. I didn't know you had that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's from King City. Wow. Which, which uh, King City was, uh, you know, at the time, um, the biggest van, uh, van fair on the West Coast. Yeah. Wow, that's so, crazy. I, I didn't even know that you won an award there. That's cool. Yeah. They played that song all. Yeah, and then they played the, one of the things. Well, that's because we were in the van. Uh, we we, uh, uh, we camped out with Rain City Vans out of Vancouver, Washington. Okay. They took us They took us under their, their wing because we didn't, you know, we were independent. And um, they liked us, and so we partied with them. And then, and then we partied uh, with King City, uh, Rain City Vans, and some uh, some other vans that we, you know, we all under one umbrella because everybody had their own little groups around from around the, the country. And wow. we were kind of like the, the Pacific Northwest group, and that was kind of cool. Rain City Vans, though, those guys were pretty cool. They, I met them in in Canada. Oh, and really? We were parked by ourselves and. And we were parked real close to them, and they said, come on over, man. You know, it was family. They were family kind of van uh, club. And uh, so I, first thing I noticed, though, the cops were walking around. And I'm not used to that because, you know, in, in, in the United States, you don't have cops walking around the fairgrounds. But in Canada, <laughs> they do. You got the Mounties walking around. Yeah. <laughs> That's So funny. they can go anywhere, I guess. I actually remember being really young and going to some of the, when they were, ta- when they were a little bit tamer, the uh, van fairs that you took me to, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh... Definitely nothing <laughs> like the 70s, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of wish we had the black one then, too. I, I mean, I like the, the, the camper van, but I do miss the black one. That's all right. You're going to get your chance at customizing a van again. You know I got the Pentastar portholes. For the one yeah, I'm gonna I buy. That. I thought that was good. <laughs> Do you know how expensive those things are? Like, I'm surprised. I, I got both of the ones I have for less than a hundred bucks. <laughs> but if you yeah. go on eBay, those things are going for hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I was trying to get a get a, a, a front spoiler for for the camper van um, from uh, Custom Vans. I guess I somehow or another I got the guy on my Facebook page, uh, Kurt Collis, and I talked to him about uh, you know getting his. Uh, full full uh spoiler to see if it would hook up to my camper van and 
Yeah, it became to one of those things that, uh, you know, too bad you don't live uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, near where <laughs> I live. We could just test fit it. Yeah. That's where he's from. But he makes the, the double doors, I mean, the fiberglass doors. He makes all, a lot of band parts. Wow. He does even interiors, too. So he seemed like a nice guy. About my age, looks like. Hmm. He's, been, he's been at it for quite a while. Well, I hope he's got Dodge parts because I, I'm going to I'm gonna get the flares and stuff and the front lip spoiler yeah. for mine. So Yeah. Might be able to get a deal from him or trucks and, trucks and vans or, or that other guy in, but in West Virginia. Uh, what's his name? That did the, the boogie van or whatever, the Chevy van that he got himself in trouble with. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't, I don't even know. I, I usually, when I look for van stuff, I usually go to like vanning.com or customvanner.com, stuff like that. But vanning, I didn't realize how big it still is. There's still a quite a large following for vans. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, but well, anyways, Pop. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, let me know how you're going to try to get that red one over. Yeah, I'll give you a hand with that. Um, Just, lem- just let me know when you want me to come over. But um, Let me know your red, red van. Oh, oh, yeah. So uh, this is the plan. Um, it's got, there's something wrong with the transmission. So I was, I'm going to try to find a transmission before I, uh, go over there and get it so that when I get it back here, I can just put a transmission in it and make sure it's good to go. I want to see if it runs while we're over there, but, um, my friend who has it, Stacy, he had, uh, he had it towed, he towed it, he hauled it with an 18 foot trailer. So I'm actually thinking about because i can't find anywhere locally that rents 18 foot trailers so i'm actually thinking about seeing how much it's going to cost for me to buy one (laughs) i'm thinking about buying an 18 foot trailer but we can talk about that a little bit later but yeah um i'll need some help with that uh i've had a couple maybe we can can go halves on it or something yeah we'll figure it out we'll put a big uh mopar hunter or talking mopars logo on it'll be fun (laughs) but it'll it'll be an adventure but dad i just wanted to say thank you because without you, I you know I owe my Mopar enthusiasm to you. Because and cars in general. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be into cars and stuff. And you know, hopefully with the podcast, it changes my life and stuff. And so far, it has. I've met a lot of really cool people with it. But so thanks, thanks for getting me into Mopars, pops. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, I got you in a bunch of different car and a kind of cars. So Mopars was the one I was surprised. Uh, had I known you were going to go into Mopars uh, more than uh, than uh, some of the other ones. Uh, I know what I had, you know, what I had to, what I hung on to them more. You know what I mean? Eh, it's all right. I got, I got, I've so far I've managed to get a green dart and now I'm going to get a van. So the Mopars that we lost from the past, I, I'll, I'll remake them. <laughs> We're going to make them happen again, but, um, yeah, it's we'll make them better. You know, that's oh. a, that's the thing. We can always improve and uh, now you have a chance to do it. Well, I have I have a friend down in Louisiana who's going to help me with uh, the van. I'll tell you more about that later. It's going to be really cool. But um, I appreciate I appreciate you doing the podcast because I know you're a little, a little uh, reluctant to do it in the first place because you know you're on the podcast right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you, thousands of people are listening to this right now, Dad. No kidding. <laughs> all right well I, I told him i was well, going to surprise know, call you hey you know what I'm, I'm i'm happy you got got into something okay that's cool hey you were a great interview i knew you would be and that's why i wanted you to come on the podcast and the main reason i wanted you to come on the podcast and i don't want to get too mushy here but you realize that now your voice is immortalized in audio form so now you know sage 
and her kids and their kids will always be able to hear us talking. So they'll be able, years from now when we're long gone, they'll be able to listen to us talk Mopars. How cool is that? No, that's cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, you just got, you just got me remembering about all the, all the cars and, uh, and the good times, uh, you know, compared to what's going on today, I kind of miss the old times. A lot of fun then. Oh gosh, these times suck, but I just wanted to say thanks, Pops, and, uh, Thanks for I know I know that <laughs> I know that uh, you weren't expecting to be on the podcast and I, I I didn't want you to you know get nervous or anything because it's it's really a laid back show and we just have a good time here so and I know that I know my audience and I know that they want to hear from you and I knew it would be fun so thank you for uh, being a good sport. <laughs> okay, Chris, I uh, I hope uh, I did you some good. You did, and I'm gonna have you on the podcast again. So just know this: anytime I call you, you never know. If you're going to be on the podcast, I'm going to be aware of that now. Yes. (laughs) I'm just kidding, dad. This is going to be a great episode. I think people will get a real kick out of it, but thank you very much for being on the show and uh, I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. You take care. All right. You too. Well, there you have it, folks. The interview with my dad that I've been trying to get for the better part of a year. I finally got it. He was actually supposed to be the original Direct Connections episode, but he wouldn't do it. He was a little reluctant, but we finally got him on the show. It was a blast. I had a great time. I'm so happy that he decided to do it, even though it was not by choice. (laughs) But you got to do what you got to do. You know, I had to get him on the show. Come on, he's my dad. So he's been on the show. Hopefully we can have him back on the show at a future date. But for now, he's been on. That's fun. Hopefully he'll start listening to the show. I know he doesn't listen to it and he won't admit it, but that's okay. We're going to get him to start listening. All right. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a motorcycle guy too. He's got a Yamaha V max. Those, uh, really cool hot rod, uh, bikes from back in the eighties and his is uh, newer than that, but they're pretty cool bikes too. I'm not really a motorcycle guy myself. He definitely is. He enjoys the bike and that's cool, but he also enjoys his Mopars. So hopefully that won't be the last we hear from Mopar Hunter senior. But now it's time for listener stories, so let's get into that. It's time once again for listener stories, and as it turns out, a few did get lost in the shuffle, so we're going to get to those. Um, We're only a few behind, so all of you out there that still have stories yet to be shared, don't worry. I know of all of you, and like I said on the last episode, if there's any of you that still are doubting me, feel free to reach out. A couple of you did, and I appreciate that. We're going to get your story shared. No problem at all. I look forward to doing that. So let's get into this week's listener stories. The first one comes to us from Dave, and here is Dave's story. Hi, Chris. My name is Dave Bowering. I have to tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. I love hearing the stories of fellow Mopar owners. My Mopar story started in 1973. I grew up in the early 70s in the lower mainland of British Columbia, Canada. When I was 12 years old, my older brother came home with a 1969 Dart he bought from the local Dodge dealer. It was a B5 Blue Swinger 344 speed with dog dish hubcaps, big Mickey Thompson tires, air shocks, and a Hemi hood scoop. Needless to say, it became well known to the local police and was well known on the streets. After a year or two, the Dart was parked with an injured 340. Fast forward five years and the Dart is given to me when I am 17 years old. The Dart goes to auto shop in my high school where my shop teacher helps me get her running again. Well, as you can guess, the local police still remember the dart. So, lots of speeding tickets later, and I have lost my license for a few months. The dart gets parked again. 
Years go by with dad complaining about the dart taking up space in mom and dad's driveway. So we cut down mom's cherry tree to park the dart beside the house. That didn't go over well. The dart needed a lot of work to make her roadworthy. The drum brakes were in need of replacement. K-member was badly cracked, etc. I decided to buy a 1969 GTO that is in better running condition for $1,000. I detonate the bottom end of that within a year, but I sell it for $1,000. I say screw it. I buy a brand new 1979 Toyota 4x4 for $7,800. The dart comes with me when I move out of mom and dad's place. Fast forward 10 years, I get married and move to the interior of BC. Yep, dart and tow, motor and tranny in a crate. I move on to 10 acres of land and put up an A-frame building for the dart. Life goes on, two kids and lots of responsibility. The beloved dart spends 14 lonely years in the A-frame. Fast forward to 2003, I move into town and now have a garage for the dart. Finally start a restoration of the dart. She has not been driven since 1978. Rebuild becomes a family affair. My son and daughter help me sand her down to bare metal and off she goes to the blasters. The floor pan and trunk are in great shape. She needs a rear quarter panel and some work on the front fenders. Lots of parts shopping on eBay, etc. She is still sporting the Mr. Gasket vertical gate shifter, so now she needs a new four-speed hump, has bucket seats out of a Cortina or something. I locate a correct bench seat at an Auto Wreckers, new interior installed from year one except the back seat. It is still the original light blue bench. With assistance from the wife and kids, we reinstalled the 340 with a rebuilt A833. The dart is ready to roll in time for my son's high school graduation in 2007. She is my daily driver in the summer now. I take her to local car shows and to the drag strip when I get a chance. She has a best time of 1384 at 99 miles an hour. I retired this past year and the dart is getting an upgrade. She is still running the X-Heads and the old Offenhauser intake. She is getting ported eddies, a Victor Jr. intake, and a Crower solid lifter cam and 391 rear gears. Thanks for taking the time to read my Mopar story. Oh, and by the way, the current power bulge hood will be removed for the flat black Hemi hood she has always worn. Regards, Dave Bowering. Hey Dave, thanks for sending in your story. Great story, man. And I hope I got your last name right. I can be a real bonehead when it comes to names. But great story on the dart. I think it's great that it used to be your brother's and that you still have it today. And it's been kind of a family project. I think that's awesome. I also think it's great that it's your daily driver during the summer. That's cool. I mean, what a cool daily driver for the summertime. A 69 Dodge Dart 4-speed 340 car that runs 13s in the quarter mile and looks good doing it. That's awesome, man. What a cool car. I like it a lot. And you know, what's not to like about a 69 Dodge Dart Swinger 340 4-speed car? Thanks, Dave, for sending in your story. All right, let's get into some voice messages here. Our first voice message comes to us from Jeremy Williams. Here is Jeremy's message. Hey, Chris. My name is Jeremy Williams. I've been watching your show for the better part of 2020. I've been really close to calling you in and giving you my story, but for some reason, you know, one thing or another, I kind of fell to the wayside. So in any event, I've got a story that... It's definitely one for the books. And, uh, taking it back down to, to 1969, my uh, great-grandmother went to the dealership and ordered herself a 1969 Plymouth Barracuda coupe. She custom-ordered it. She wanted the real fancy interior, the bucket seats. She wanted the light green, frost green, with the F8 green interior. But she didn't want the gas guzzling V8 or some of the other more expensive attributes like power steering. I never quite understood that one. In any event, she uh, purchased a car brand new from the dealership, enjoyed it for a few years, and, uh, you know, sign would have it. Uh, she passed on maybe five or six years after that. I left the car to my grandfather. It was pretty much the only thing he had of her, actually. And uh, he enjoyed the car for many years. And when my father turned 16, 
Barracuda was given to him. And he drove it for a while. I remember hearing stories of him strapping boats onto it, and going fishing with the lake, and him and my uncle just having a good time in it. Uh, he even took uh, my mother on their first date, I believe in 1986, uh, where she puked in the front seat, left a big old stain. Uh, well, for some reason, which uh, no one in my family will understand, my mother didn't like the color, and her comments uh, led my father to sell the car. He sold the car in 1989, uh, and it was, it was devastating for my grandfather. Uh, they didn't speak for a while after that. That was the last piece of his mother that he had. And, uh, of course, I was born shortly after that and uh, heard stories growing up of grandma's car, great-grandma's 69 Plymouth Barracuda. I could never bring it up in front of my grandfather just because it would be awkward, quiet. And it was something that you shouldn't talk about in front of grandpa. And uh, well, taking it down to more modern times, you know, 2014, I had just gotten off of a ship had some money in my pocket, and was looking for a car. I was regularly going to California and Washington and wanted some sort of transportation in Washington. And like all of the Mopar people, look on Craigslist, Facebook, see what we got. And uh, I found 69 Public Barracuda. Uh, it looked exactly like great grandma's. It was a notchback, that light green. So I contacted my father. wasn't too far away. And I had 12 hours off. We went over to go take a look at it. And it happened to be the same individual that uh, my father sold the car to uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, we were 89. And so uh, well, we talked for a while. And I guess he had had the car up in Alaska for 10, 12 years. I uh, brought the car back down, and it was uh, sitting in a shed out behind his house. A funny thing is, is the car was only a few blocks away from my grandparents up uh, in the Skagit County area of Washington State. So that was pretty simple. But, uh, you know, we struck a deal. Uh, he was really happy to give it back to the original family. I uh, ended up picking it up for $5,000, running, driving, 96,000 miles on it with a trunk load of parts. And a spare eight and three-quarter axle is pretty nice. And so I've been able to, to have that since 2014. Uh, aside from the general fear of you know, touching the car, it's the only original one. I've been overseas quite a bit in the last few years, so I haven't uh, really been able to even start uh, bringing to where it's at today. Uh, health of the grandfather is not to hold it up as well as, as we'd all like. And my father and I have kind of set this goal we're, uh, we're trying to have the car running and driving by August of 2021. We're going to submit the car into the hot August night show in Reno uh, under my grandfather's name. We're going to be flying my grandfather down to uh, be able to show off the car and talk about the history of it. Now, it's a flat six, and uh, I need a little more power than that. That's just not quite enough to get me going. Uh, had it been a 340 or something larger, I would have probably done a completely stock restoration, uh, but that's just not in my blood. So what I decided to do after years of building the car on paper and in my head is uh, I'm actually going with a V10 Viper swap. So I'm going to be pushing the firewall back about five inches. I've got a 96 
crate viper motor with zero miles on it. And I've got the, the Gersh front suspension going in. I've got a strange 60 for the rear. And of course, it wouldn't be a good combination without a T56. So with the Viper V10, I'm putting a, a T56 six-speed into it. Uh, now, I won't have it completely restored by August, but uh, it's going to be running and driving. It'll most likely have its original patina on it. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to check out the car, it'll be at hot August night, 2021. I can guarantee you that. Uh, thanks for letting me share my story, and I look forward to next episode you've got coming out. Thanks a lot, Chris. Wow, Jeremy, thanks for sending in your story. That was a good one, man. I love all my listeners' stories here that are sent to me on this show, but some of them, you know, they just tug on the heartstring a little bit for me. And stories like this, where cars are reunited with the original owners or families, are just awesome. I love hearing stories like that, man. But before I continue here, you've said you've been on ships and overseas and whatnot. I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're in the service. And if you are, thank you for your service. Your service is why we have the freedoms that we do. So thank you for your service. If you are a serviceman, I could be completely wrong. Who knows? You might be on a on a shipping container ship or something. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're in the service. So getting back to your story, that is so cool, man. Wow. <laughs> what are the odds of that? You know, I, I think it's great that you found the car to get it back. is just awesome. And now that you have it, you know, you're going to do some really cool things with it, man. A Viper V10. Wow. That's crazy. I know... Uh, of a guy in Washington State, Horsepower Northwest. Uh, his name's Aaron. He's putting a Viper V10 in a GTX. Anytime somebody swaps a Viper engine in an old Mopar, I've seen Cudas have it done. Uh, I just think they're so cool. And, you know, I really like the idea of an A-body with a V10 in it. That's awesome, man. I, I can't wait to see this thing done. I wish I could make it out to Hot August Nights to see it, but hopefully you send us uh, some pictures so we can take a look at it. Uh, when it's all done, it sounds like it's going to be awesome. You know, Viper V10 with wearing its patina on the outside. That's cool, man. I'm 100% in. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. What a great story. Thanks, Jeremy, for sharing it with us. Our next listener story comes to us from Nathan, and he's from North Carolina. Here is Nathan's story. Hey, um, I just want to tell the story. My name's uh, Nathan, and I'm from North Carolina. And, um, well... To start a long story, kind of, when I was a freshman in high school, I rode the bus, and we went down the street, and every time I see this old call, and I was always in the calls, but I was never directly in the Mopals, and I, you know, I know it sounds stupid and everything, you might make fun of me or something, but, but when I first saw this call, I wasn't close enough to read the big Dodge letters across the hood, I thought it was a Ford, and I said it out loud, and a kid there, who's also interested in the call, um, looked at me and goes, oh, that's a dodge. Well, about a month goes by and I don't think about it anymore. And, um, then my grandma talked to me, Nathan, you need a call. Well, we look at a couple other calls, you know, normal calls. I know, but there was a Pontiac, 62 Pontiac Bonneville down the street and I looked at that. And it was complete rock bucket and everything. Just, just horrible. In the mud. God wanted $3,000 for it and just, no. Went over this call, and this call is rust-free, cranks right up. The man wants $6,500 for it with a set of, I think they were American Racing wheels that looked, I didn't like the way they looked on this call. And, um, 
So I, cut, he cut us a deal. He said he knocked it all the way down to five thousand dollars if we just put the stock wheels and tires back on it. And uh, well, we said deal. I went half in with my grandmother and um, walked and paid it off and got the car home. And I, the day after I got it home, it snowed. And I sat up, you can ask, but I sat up there and made laps around the house through the snow in this car that's driving it. Well, about my sophomore year, the 318 Poly that was in it started to show its age and lack of maintenance someone did to it. And it just finally just gave up the ghost and went on the right nothing. So I took it to this man named Elwood, uh, Dwight Elwood. And um, he's a big Mopole man. That's all he does. And um, he was telling me about this month. He built a C60 for a 70 dollars. And, uh, but he said he'd sell it to us and put it in $5,000. Well, that 5000 tons was more like eight, but, you know, because we put disc brakes up front, bought a rear end from 355 show grip, um, all that good stuff. And, uh, and interesting about the white, I didn't know about it until after I started helping him up there. He's got a 62 Plymouth, Plymouth Sport Freud, Fury, also Team Max Wedge call. Um, but yeah, he had a, his old drag race on. He's not as famous as his partner was. His partner was Roy Johnson, son of Alan Johnson. I mean, father of Alan John, Johnson, excuse me. Well, you know, the COVID-19 hit halfway through fixing my call. And, um, you know, and I said, I was there every day at the shop helping, trying to get this call done. Finally get it done, get it home, drive it for about, all right, it got done in May. What month is it? It's. I parked it in a, no late September and tore back apart putting that rear end in it. And it's been a couple months. Well, it's been a month. And I just now started getting more money to finish it. I painted it, fixed the brakes, redid the leaf springs, put shocks on it, and everything. And so now, as I'm sending this to you. I'm sitting in my shop looking at it, waiting for parts to get healed. So they can be new, you know, new axle bearings and everything. And um I was just looking for some entertainment to do out here. And I found your uh, podcast and I'm so glad I did because I'm you know, like I said, I used to didn't know anything about Mopars, but now it's Mopar no call with me. And and so I some of the calls you were talking about like 68 charges for about a hundred dollars. Just if I could have that, I think I'd do the same thing that man did and buy it right out. But, um, yeah, I'm just glad to share my story with you. And, um, I know it'd be a little bit before it goes on the podcast, but that's all right. I'll stay here and listen until it gets off, you know, gets put on the podcast and then I'll listen some more. Love the podcast. Keep it good. Well, I forgot to tell you what kind of call it was. It's, um, 
knew how to catch charges and everything, but, you know, I can show scale some Honda Civics and some boys that talk about it most things. I ain't paying attention like I've done before. And, um, so yeah, I just figured I'd actually tell you what kind of call it is. And, uh, sorry if it's going to be hard to splice together or something, but hopefully I can see my story on the podcast and, um, keep up the good work and, um, bye. Hey, Nathan, thanks for sending in your story, man. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, before I got to your last message, I was like, oh, man, what kind of car is it? So in my head, I was trying to figure out, I was like, okay, it's got a 318 poly in it, which is the polyspherical 318. And I'm thinking, okay, so it's got to be, you know, I, I was guessing. And lo and behold, your last message, let us know what kind of car it was. So that was great. Thanks, Nathan. Cool story, man. Hey, I don't care how many doors a Mopar has. It's still cool in my book, buddy. And I'm all for building a sedan. I think more four doors should be purchased and hot rotted. You know, maybe that's just me, but they also make great project cars. They're not nearly as expensive as, you know, chargers or Cudas or challengers or anything like that. And not everybody's lucky like Johnny Mopar and can get a charger for a hundred bucks or even a thousand dollars. I mean, even a thousand dollars for a charger in nearly any condition is a screaming deal in today's market, man. So I'm I'm all for it. I actually am really curious to see what ends up happening with your Coronet. So keep me updated on your project, buddy. Thanks for sending in your story. I just love getting stories from listeners who tell me that they learn something on my podcast, you know, because I'm no Mopar expert. I'll be the first to admit that. So I like to think of it as a learning experience for everybody. You know, even if you're a Mopar, you know, guru, maybe at some point along the, the duration of this podcast, you know, for however many years it goes, maybe you'll learn something. I just love hearing stories about people that, you know, learn something from the show, you know, even if it's something small, I think that's great. I love hearing that people listen to the podcast while they're out in their shops or in their garage or out in their yard, you know, in their carport, working on their Mopars and they're listening to me talk about Mopars. That's awesome to me. I love it. And I really love it when you guys call and share your stories. And even when you email your stories, I'm just horrible at reading them. That's the only reason why I prefer you guys calling in. But thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I can tell that you're a Mopar enthusiast and that everybody that, you know, all the listener stories that I get, I can hear the enthusiasm for Mopars in your guys' voice. Much like, I mean, I've had people tell me, oh, we can really hear how much you love Mopars. Well, I can hear the same thing out of you guys. And it makes doing this podcast so rewarding because I know that I'm not the only lunatic out there that's obsessed with Mopars. So that's cool, man. Appreciate you sending in the story, Nathan. Keep me updated on your project. Thanks for sending in your story. Our next listener story comes to us from a familiar to the show. And the reason why I call this gentleman a familiar is because he has the talking Mopars record for most voicemails left. (laughs) And that is our friend Tad. Tad is back. Let's hear what Tad has to say this time around. All right, Chris. I said in an email that I wouldn't uh, be leaving any voicemails anytime soon, and I got less than 24 hours in. It's uh, Tad. Just listened to the podcast again. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, wanted to thank you for sharing my stories you know, I was embarrassed at first, but uh, no, I was like, you know what? I'm going to own this. This is my life. This is all the stuff that I've done and cars I've had. And honestly, after listening to it again, I realized how much I had forgotten 
until I started listening to your podcast and other people's stories and realizing how involved in cars and working on cars and, and all that that I have been. Um, so anyway, I want to thank you for that. Uh, as I was listening, I, I really started out in air-cooled Volkswagens back when I was like 21, 22. I got a 66 bus, but uh, it reminded me of a, of a Volkswagen story. Uh, when I was like 24, I worked at a Volkswagen shop. I restored cars, did regular maintenance and stuff, but I remember closing up one day and the phone rings and I answer it and this guy's like, Hey, do you guys buy old cars or whatever? And I'm like, Hey, what do you, what do you got? He's like, Oh, I have this 64 Volkswagen bus that I have to get rid of. I'm moving. It has to be gone. And I was like, well, is it in good condition or what kind of conditions is it in? And he's like, well, it hasn't been driven for about two weeks, but, uh, other than that, it's in pretty good shape. So closed the shop up and our shop truck was truck was a uh, 67 single cab uh so i hopped in that thing and threw the tow bar in the back drove i don't know 15 20 minutes to this guy's house and i mean there it sits a 64 combi um you know looked like it had been driven yesterday but uh i get there open up the engine compartment and the engine was pretty dusty, and, and it, there's no way it had been driven looking at the engine in, in the last two weeks. So anyway, I stand up. The guy's like, I'll take 100 bucks. I have to move tomorrow. So I, I hooked that thing up and towed it home. Uh, ended up keeping it for a few months, and then I sold it. But uh, just just knowing now what those Volkswagens are going for, I uh, I can say that I, I got a Mopar for $100. I just, again, remembering some of those uh, old times, and memories that I have. I got a, a Volkswagen bus for a hundred bucks as well. Uh, anyway, Chris, again, I appreciate your podcast. I, it's, it's awesome listening to it. I still have to get used to hearing my voice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, even listening to my own voice, telling my stories, it, it brings back a lot of memories and laughs and giggles and, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. Hey, Tad. Welcome back, buddy. <laughs> I'm glad that, you know, hearing the podcast brings back memories and, you know, of good times and laughs and things like that. That makes that that really just it makes me happy to hear things like that, man. <laughs> it really does. And, you know, it's funny you say getting used to listening to your own voice. How do you think I feel? <laughs> you know what I mean? I hate listening to my own voice. It sucks. But, you know, it is uh, it comes with the territory, I guess. But I do appreciate you as a listener. You know, you're talking about Volkswagens, and this is a Mopar podcast, Tad. But I'm going to let it slide this time because I have something to admit to the listeners. I, too, at one time, had an air-cooled Volkswagen. For a long time, I, I, I just thought they were cool. You know, they're cheap, or they were cheap. And, you know, my dad had a Volkswagen a long, long time ago. And I, I always thought it was fun. And uh, around here in the Pacific Northwest, there is a huge following for Volkswagens. And you talked about the combi and those things. You're absolutely right. $100 for a combi? God, <laughs> you know, you can't touch a, you can't touch a bumper for a combi for 100 bucks. But I had a uh, 58 Volkswagen bug. It had, it was two-toned. It had the roof rack on it, the low back seats. And I bought it for 600 bucks. Um, but that's a whole, a whole other story that I don't want to get into on a Mopar podcast. So I won't. But I will say this. If it wasn't for that Volkswagen bug, I would have never had my Dart because it is connected to the Dart because 
I sold the Volkswagen to buy my Jeep Cherokee and I traded my Jeep Cherokee for another mode of transportation that we won't get into. It was actually a little scooter <laughs> and uh, yeah, we won't get into that. But I sold the scooter for 1500 bucks and that put the cash in my pocket to get my Dart. So thanks to that Volkswagen, I got my Dart. So that's my Volkswagen story. But I understand where you're coming from, man. Sometimes you just find those cars that you can get for so cheap. And then later on down the road, you're thinking to yourself, man, how did I get that thing for so cheap? And, you know, how much is it worth now? You know what I mean? So those stories are always fun to hear. And I don't care what kind of car you're talking about when you talk about getting it for cheap and how much they're worth now, because everybody's got a story about like that, you know, but Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You still have the record and you just upped it by one. 13. <laughs> but thanks, Tad. I'm glad you like the show. I'm glad you enjoy listening to it. And that goes for everybody. Thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you all for submitting your stories. I have one more listener story coming up and it's going to have to wait till next week because we are about to turn into a pumpkin. We've gone over an hour and a half and uh, I need a story to tell on the next episode. So Peter with the Green Super Bee. Your story's up next on episode 60. And for anybody else out there whose story I haven't told yet, remember, reach out to me. Let me know, hey, you missed my story, Chris. When are you going to share it? And I will get back to you as soon as I can. And we'll get that story shared right here on Talking Mopars. That was listener stories. If you want to hear your story on the show, you can do so by emailing me or leaving me a voicemail that I will play on the show. My email is chris at talkingmopars.com. And the number to call for voicemails is 209-28-MOPAR. That was listener stories. What a fun episode of Talking Mopars. I'm so happy to get my dad on the show. I've been trying for a long time to do that. He was supposed to be my first guest ever because I wanted somebody on the podcast who I was comfortable speaking with because I've never formally interviewed anybody. You know, this is my first podcast. You know, Talking Mopars, before this, there, I never podcasted. I never interviewed anybody in this type of way. So it was all new to me and he didn't want to do the show, you know, for whatever reason. I'll try to figure that out next time I talk to him, figure out why he didn't want to come on the show. But he's on, he's been on it now and, you know, I don't regret anything. I'm glad I got him on there. Even if we had to con him into coming on the show, I think it's great. And I hope to have him on the show in the future. So there you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your stories, your questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Special thanks to my friends over at HemiPages.com. HemiPages is a directory source for the Gen 3 Hemi and Mopar aftermarket, including all of its related connections and content. They are also the brains behind the Build Mopar Community Project car, the 1968 Dodge Dart Superstock tribute car powered by a Gen 3 426 cubic inch supercharged Hemi called the Dart Pack. For more info on the Dart Pack and how you can participate in the project, and to check out the directory, visit hemipages.com. It's definitely a place that I frequently visit and have bookmarked on my favorites list, and you should too. Thank you also to my buddies over at DIYHemi.com. They are another company run by Mopar enthusiasts that are also bookmarked on my favorites list. If you're like me, you love classic Mopars and modern Mopars too. Now you can have the best of both worlds by combining the styling of the past with the power and technology of the future by swapping in a modern Gen 3 Hemi into your classic Mopar. So, 
If a modern Hemi swap is something on your to-do list for your project car, you gotta visit DIYHemi.com to find out how you can make that happen. DIY Hemi can help you build the ultimate fusion of classic and modern muscle without breaking the bank. One last thing before we go, if you'd like to help support Talking Mopars, jump on over to TalkingMopars.com and check out the Talking Mopars merch shop. There you will find all the current Talking Mopars merch like t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, stickers, and more with more on the way. So stay tuned for that. And when you order stuff from the merch shop, you're not only getting cool stuff, but in doing so, you're helping me to keep the wheels turning and the engine running on this podcast each and every week. So thank you for that. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.